Good morning and welcome to a fine time for healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. And just so that you know, this show has been pre-recorded. I usually do my shows live. But because Christiana, who I will introduce you to in a few minutes, is in London, it's a little bit harder for her to call in. So we're going to pre-record this. Um, when it comes to issues around narcissistic abuse, do you should all over yourself? When you say I have to in these types of matters, do you truly believe that you have no choice? Are there things you believe you are supposed to do, but really don't want to do in regards to your toxic family? Many experience these types of dilemmas when navigating the healing process of narcissistic abuse. The dreadful feeling associated with these obligations is the same whether they are put upon you or self-inflicted. And you may desperately believe that you have no choices, that you will never be free of these burdens. Today's special guest, Christiana Davidson, is back with us today. And you may remember her from the Christmas dinner video that we did. Uh, Chris, Christiana is a licensed psychotherapist and certified hypnotherapist from London. She is here to discuss this relevant topic and offer you some helpful hints on how to address these types of dilemmas. Christy is a member of the British, British Association for Counseling and Psychotherapy with a particular interest in the effects of narcissistic parenting, attachment, and codependency. Christy believes that the most important question we can ask ourselves about our lives is why? Why do I behave and think in sometimes unhelpful ways? From here, Christy says, begins a fascinating journey of discovery. Good morning, Christian. Welcome. Good morning, Randy. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you are very welcome. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's so great to have you back. We did a great video last time. So what is it about narcissistic abuse that creates these negative statements, faulty mm. kind of thinking um, in us that makes us feel guilty and requires us to, to do things we don't want to do? And well, Randy, it's, um, you know, it's interesting that, that those, those statements, as you say, you know, the, the child who grows up with a narcissistic parent often finds that their life is directed by, should I? So should, should I do this? Or I should do this? <laughs> so there's this play between questioning what I should do but also knowing what I should do. <laughs> um, and this is all as a result of the toxic programming that the narcissistic parent forms their child in. And when I, when I say that, what I'm, what I'm referring to is the narcissistic parent, their aim is to create within the child an external locus of control. 
and an external locus of control in very basic terms is where a person looks to know how they should think, feel, be and act by looking outside of themselves and judging by what the external says, they then know how to be, what to do and what to think. So you can see already how this could be a tool or an opening for a narcissist to come in and assert themselves. And that's exactly what happens in the narcissistic parent-child relationship. The narcissist has to create a, a real imbalance in the relationship where they put themselves onto a pedestal in the life of their child and the child then learns how to think, feel, be and behave by focusing in on the reaction of that narcissistic parent. And we know that everything that the narcissistic parent does is to meet their own needs. So from the earliest of days, the child of the narcissist is being groomed daily by reward and discard. So reward when you are meeting the needs of the narcissistic parent and maybe, you know, more sort of coercive tactics like silent treatment, gaslighting, um, you know, discard, all that sort of thing, humiliation, when you do the wrong thing. So, so, so the child, therefore, begins to learn that they, they must cut off from their own internal sense of intuition or their own inner guidance. They must silence that and they must always be attuned to the narcissistic parent who becomes God. And of course, you know, for young children, parents are their first experience of God. You know, the parents are like a God in their lives. That's how they see them. But the role of the parent then is to gradually allow the child to separate and individuate and you know it's the role of the parent to be in you know inquisitive about the child you know what do they like what are your opinions on this what how do you think about this how do you see things and but it's the opposite in the narcissistic relationship where the parent dominates and sublimates and and grooms the child to to be dependent upon them, totally dependent. That's you know that's that's all so true, and um, you explain that so well. Well, you know, I'm thinking as you're talking that there are so many layers to narcissistic abuse. And this is one thing that is not often talked about in regard to this area. 
But we find that when we talk to adult children of narcissistic abuse, yes. they are very hung up with the shoulds and the ought-tos and the must-haves. And, Absolutely. And um, it creates tremendous guilt and anxiety in them. And they don't feel as if they have options in their life. No. No, you're right, Randy. I mean, so many of the, the clients I work with, you know, one of the key impacts of this is that, you know, in adulthood, the adult child is unable to make decisions themselves. They don't trust themselves to be able to make the right choice or behave in the right way or in fact, there's a sense of, of, of not being equal to others, you know, not just being naturally able to, I don't know, take up a place in the workplace or, you know, know how to present themselves or it's almost as if without the narcissistic parent telling them exactly what to be, do and think, there's a real there's a real sense of not knowing. <laughs> um, so there's no sort of, there's no inner connection because that was cut off from them. You see, for, for, for the child of a narcissistic parent, you can imagine if, if the parent is trying to make the child dependent upon them, which is exactly what they're trying to do, they the, the parent, the narcissistic parent wants this child to be dependent upon them for their sense of self-worth. And their self-worth is bound up in how much they are pleasing the other. If the child then starts to discover some form of independence, where they go against what the narcissistic parent might be wanting or thinking or their views it's a life and death situation for a child that is you're absolutely right it is and it takes tremendous courage and lots mm -hmm. of um going back and forth and practicing with this until you feel like you can just make that break break away and make that move mm -hmm. and um, in terms of limited contact or uh, no contact, this becomes a real problem because society says that we should be there for our mothers. We should be there for our fathers. We should be part of a family. And that is very confusing because when you grow up in a, narcissist, in a home where there's a narcissistic parent, there is no family. And the mother, if she's a narcissist, is not a mother. She's playing a mother role. But she's truly just a narcissist. And the same goes with the father. He's not a father. He's not a father in any of the ways that society would say a father is supposed to be. He's playing the role of a father, but he is a narcissist. And yes. These kind of role, these kinds of expectations 
hang us up. And not only are they our expectations, but they're the expectations of all the people around us, society, our friends, um, our houses of worship, and we get judged on these shoulds. Yes, yes. And people have a very hard time letting that go. Yes, it's, it's um, the, the, the child of the narcissistic parent almost becomes so familiar um, with, with having others dictate to them who they should be, how they should live, what, what potential is for their life or what options they can have, that, that, that there's a real fear of not having that, of being independent. You know, independence is, can almost feel quite scary um, because there's a, as I was saying, you know, the, you're, you grow up learning that you can't trust yourself to be acceptable, you know, because that was, you were told you weren't without the direction of your narcissistic parents. So, and they know best and by, you know, they will, they will make sure that you know that they they know everything and that they are right um, and that their moral compass is the one to go by and that their beliefs um, are, are, are what are, are important. In fact, it's almost as if, you know, there's this sense of nobody else can direct you like I can. You know, and you need me because without me, you're going to get it wrong. You know, and it's funny, you know, this, this, that, that setup is even later in life, the adult child, you know, even when the parent, say they have gone no contact and there's no parent, you know, no parental contact. It doesn't actually matter <clears throat> because what's happened is that narcissistic parent has become the inner critic. So there's been a total takeover that now the conscience of the child, the adult child, is still orientated towards what would the parent think? You know, what? Even subconsciously, sometimes the, the parent is still running the show because the, the adult child might subconsciously be choosing things. Oh, mum would like this or mum would think he was a nice man or there's still this subconscious sort of um, focus on pleasing or meeting, meeting the expectations of the narcissist. Yes. And of course, that's bondage, isn't it? It is. I mean, that, and that goes on for a long time. It's as if you have these cords sort of attached to this parent and you, yeah. you just can't break that process. Mm. It, it makes it so hard when we are trying to break away and we get the courage to do so. And then people are pointing the finger at us. You should, you should, you should. And so you go back into this place of guilt. 
-hmm. because you deep down inside believe that you should have or you should be or you must or you ought to and so it doesn't take much for us to go back into that place and then what happens is we get very we caught get caught in the middle of guilt it's a struggle of can I be myself or do I have to do what's expected of me yes because if I am myself that's bad we've learned that that's bad to listen to yourself and to trust yourself we've learned that we must run everything we do and think by somebody else first preferably the narcissistic mother or father we have to run it by by them the narcissist first and then we can be okay if they you know depending on their opinion or reaction so for for an adult child then to start making a decision for their lives that may go against the narcissist but you know even against other people in their lives you know like like you're saying like society you you know to sort of venture off the beaten track and go do something a bit outrageous that that can be a really really difficult um step but so necessary you know it's i say this to my clients sometimes you know sometimes the more uncomfortable you feel that's the sign of the growth happening Mm, so true you know it's not that's the feeling of healing is when you're actually starting to annoy annoy people (laughs) when you you know when it's you that's the one that's not complying (laughs) you know that that, that's that's really scary for, for 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 children of narcissists particularly the golden child maybe not so much the scapegoat who's quite used to being um you know told that they've got it wrong and oh you know low expectations and all the rest of it um but for the for the golden child it can be particularly difficult because they're they're the one that's used to you know jumping at every need and whim and meeting those expectations and being applauded for 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 do, for enabling the narcissistic parent and so yeah, when the mother, golden child turns growing up my mother um used to say to me and my siblings do the right thing and I found that you know when she was um unhappy with the way we were acting or often Mm -hmm. it was the way we looked out to the outside world but she would say do the right thing and I was so confused because I didn't know what the right thing was Mm -hmm. and the and the thing about the right thing was that it was constantly changing so it was the right thing this day and then we were just jumping through hoops that kept changing like what's the right thing today and it throws you so off balance as a child that you just don't have any footing you don't have any grounding 
um, when this is not so clearly defined for you? You know, and it's 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 really it's saddening this, you know, because like you said, there's no ground, you don't have any grounding, you don't have any grounding within yourself. You know, there's no real connection to you. There's to the you know, the narcissistic child has no connection within them, within themselves. So they that they doubt their feelings, they doubt you know, why am I feeling like this? I shouldn't be feeling like this. So I shouldn't have these feelings. I shouldn't be angry with my narcissistic mother. I shouldn't, you know, look at what she's done for me. Look at, you know. And then the guilt comes up and confirms that as well. So there's a, there's like you're saying, there's sort of an inner battle that, that that's that's raging within the child because there's been no real chance for them to separate, to, to experience that healthy separation from the parent that every, every good parent is meant to foster, painful as it can be for the parent, but it's, you know, it's part of this letting go phase. That doesn't happen with the narcissistic parent. It cannot happen because you are you're not an individual in their eyes as such you're there to meet to meet their needs you know and and that's not just for childhood that's your life purpose in their eyes is to make them happy you know and that should be enough that should be should be enough for you you know and they can't make sense of you letting go of that role it just doesn't it, it, it incites narcissistic rage in fact yes you know this is my toy <laughs> and i'm going to you know how dare you take my toys away from me you're right you're right and this you know this should thing is something that they use to their benefit because if you are trying to pull away from a narcissistic parent as an adult child, um, they are going to other sources and saying, she should be taking care of me. Or, you know, he, he ought to be buying my groceries and being coming every day. Or, you know, she, she should be calling me or things like that. And people go, yes, she should be. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> and so not only do we get it from the parent, from growing up with that parent and with that understanding that we should be, they are then extending it beyond us. So the pressure on us to do what we're supposed to be doing, what we should be doing, what we ought to be doing, gets even more intense if we're hearing from other people why aren't you? You should be, you must. They're old. <laughs> That's a common one. They're old. You should be taking care of your old parents, your elderly parents. And um, that is, that makes it very difficult to do what you need to do, because if you are the um, constant target 
of abuse, narcissistic abuse, because that's really all the parent wants from us is to be able to abuse us because that's how they get their supply. Um, and you say, and Randy, you're, you're right. You know, that, that pressure, and particularly I find in, in, in a lot of my clients who, who come from a religious background, you know, a family that has some kind of religious belief, um, you know, in the Christian faith, there's the, the honor your mother, your father. Um, you know, there's a real expectation um, that you will uh, look after your parents and honor them because it's a God, God-given decree. And if you don't, well, I mean, what you know, what, <laughs> what what's the, what's on offer if you don't? Um, and, and the thing is, the narcissistic parent knows this. You know, one of my clients said to me, she said, her mother said, um, you know, I think the daughter said something. Oh, don't worry, mum. You know, I will I will always look after you, even though they had the most horrific relationship. And uh, the narcissistic mother said, oh, yes, you will, because you have to. You don't have a choice. Wow. God's told God's. That's God's will. So, I mean, you know, it's almost this is this is the the terrifying thing, I think, for children of narcissistic parents is that there's a sense that I cannot be free, even though I see I might begin to see all of this. How can I actually ever be free? Because even God supports the narcissist. That is so profound. And, and, And I think at the end of the day, that that is it in a nutshell that the narcissist usurps god the narcissist is the voice of god and has god on her side or his side in some in some situations i I guess not all if it's not a And and we wonder why we have such a hard time pulling out of these situations. There are so many facets to this that we have to cut through. And you were talking earlier about, um, you know, not being able to validate ourselves, being able to just whatever our parent tells us is what we're supposed to be. So this is why developing self-validation self-love self-esteem is so very important because you are working against forces all the time all the way around you randy it takes the most incredible courage but it also takes the decision it takes the it's a choice and it's a choice you have to start making because it's not going to happen just organically You've got to start deciding, I'm going to trust myself here and I don't actually care what the outcomes are. The victory for me is choosing to trust myself. And it's not easy because you will, you know, as you change, you're going to come up against a a wave of resistance it's going to happen but that is that is actually helpful because what begins to happen is that adult child 
I think more so than than those that were never in an in a, a narcissistic family, begins to find this inner resolve and strength that can weather any storm. There's there's a there's a an inner cheerleader that begins to replace the voice of the narcissistic parent who who whose role really was to maintain the old system and 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 that begins to to be minimized and that sense of courageous courageous self self-worth begins to rise up that's not you know the, 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 it's almost the reversal then of that external locus of control we begin to see oh it, it, it's beginning to move to an internal locus of control that is not moved by the, the reactions of others whoever they are be it popes presidents mothers grandmothers husbands friends there's a well i mean really what it is is it is there there's the beginnings of the flourishing of an authentic human being you know somebody who's who's being radically them which is what we all want yeah i love the um the the visual of the inner cheerleader because if we can sort of grab that you know we've got these pom-poms and we're going rah 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 you know for us you know i picked up on the fact that you use the word have to start trying and i started to think about that this is very different than these self-imposed, narcissistic opposed, or, well, actually, I shouldn't say self-imposed, but narcissistically opposed, society opposed um, shoulds. Because when you say that, you're talking about if we want self-preservation, if we want to develop a self and an individual that is not beholden or enmeshed with anyone else um it is a have to isn't it you're right yes it you know in the past it was life or death to you know if you weren't in that enmeshed relationship as an adult it's it's life or death if you stay you know what I mean you've got to get out to 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 find your life because it's death staying within I think I think you see that's that's part of the 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 subconscious aim of subconscious aim of the narcissistic parent is to is to create a sort of bizarre safety that's the trauma bond safety in the relationship with them that you know somehow you feel safe because you know you know the relationship you know 
you know how to be in that relationship and apart from it you don't so there's a safetyness in it and people that some people spend their whole lives in that they never break free um but I'm reminded of um of a a sort of a um, a wise saying that stuck with me a long time ago was ships in harbour are safe but that's not what ships are made for Mm. you know and the narcissistic parent would try to make you believe that you are meant to stay in the harbour all your life but there comes a day where you're given the option to venture out and to discover freedom, you know? To, to have, you know, to, to stop serving somebody else's dream for your life. And to start serving your own. I to find that. that. Yeah, I think that we um, we reach a crux of mm. our existence. And it's, um, do we stay reliant on what we know and feel horrible and know that we're we're not happy, we're depressed, we have anxiety, or do we risk that sailing out? And it's such a huge leap of faith. You just don't know. It's like Christopher Columbus. You just don't know where you're going. No. Um, But it's almost, this is a pinnacle where you say, I either stay or I have to leave. I have to separate. And so this is very different. It is because, you know, especially from the, the, the narcissistic family system, you know, because it's not just the one parent that you're breaking free from. It's the whole system. You know, so it really, it really requires, I think, the greatest courage and the greatest greatest faith in in some ways you know that i've i've you, you you've got to risk it all in other words you've got to be willing to risk it all to find it all well said well said that's that's really amazing that's absolutely true risk it all to find it all And I guess that's how every explorer has ever been. You know, nothing would have gotten found if they didn't risk it all to find it all. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, back, you sort of once again, you know, the solution here, it seems to, you know, what was robbed of us at, at the start was the connection to ourselves and our own inner tuition. That's what the narcissist has to dismantle so that they can dominate, so that they can be 
your locus of control. And so now the solution for us, instead of being, so the narcissist tries to make us counterintuitive, we now need to bring ourselves back to being intuitive. And that that is what we're talking about here, Randy, is, is you know, Many narcissists and many children of narcissistic parents, I find, you know, the clients I work with, they come to me and they're like, they've got this big decision. But, you know, I find myself, I'm always asking this person and that person and this person. And I just don't know what to do. And I'm going to, what do you think? And, you know, what should I do? There's this, this real uncertainty and lack of self-trust. And what, what we need to begin fostering and growing is no longer looking out there for how I should behave and feel and be, but a brave choosing to go within and to ask, what do I want? And what do I feel would be the right next thing? And then not to run that by anyone. <laughs> you know, in, in the early early stage, I mean, obviously sometimes there is, you know, if you, if you have a trusted therapist or, you know, you have um, a, a friend who you know has your, has your back and is, wants your flourishing, sure. But, but more and more, there needs to be this choosing to trust myself and know that I am capable and I'm choosing to handle the results. You know, I'm cognitive behavioral therapists who are often the first resource that people going through this go to really foster those shoulds and have tos. They really sort of throw you into this, well, it's your parents, you have to work this out. Mm. Or it's your sister or your brother, you have to work this out. Mm. And that kind of authority really can twist your mind because while they're saying that, you know that it feels wrong. And yet a part of you thinks you should be. So it's, it can be very confusing. And, um, and the other thing you were talking about um, needing to be dependent on, you know, others' mm-hmm. opinions and everything like that. Yeah. I feel very strongly, and I've said this before, that support groups for narcissistic abuse, mm-hmm. uh, the only function that I see that is beneficial mm-hmm. for them is when you are trying to figure out what is going on, what you are dealing with. Once you figure out what you are dealing with, you need to get off of them because then you hear so many different opinions and restrictions and the worst case scenarios um, because these are people, people who stay on these things are, are people who are not resolved. And they just want to stay on and talk about it and talk about it and talk about mm-hmm. it. And when you come on, they want to catastrophize 
what has happened to them. And then you begin to do the same. So it's yes, and it can also be, I guess, in some of those support and networks, I know um, that there is a sort of um, expectation that you'll take on somebody who will be your guide or be your sort of guide you through the program or, or whatever it is. And you'll choose them based on, you know, how, you know, what you find attractive in them in terms of their recovery and that sort of thing. But, you know, often what can happen is we can attract somebody else who we become dependent on. Um, You know, so although that that can be maybe, you know, maybe that can be part of the weaning process, um, but it's definitely not recommended for life. You know, there's got to come a point where you let go of being dependent upon anybody else other than you and your own intuition. You're right. You are so right. That intuition, we all have it. We do. It is the most reliable guidance system that we have in our lives. The problem is that when you are with a narcissistic abuser, whether it be your family or an adult in an adult Mm -hmm. relationship, um, that is dissuaded. So when you go to to that person and say, listen, I'm really feeling like this is up. And they say, oh, no, 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 it's you. You're wrong. And so we're taught to not feel that guidance system. And over time, we forget to trust it. And as a child yes. growing up with a narcissistic parent, that is just squashed a long, long time ago. You are not yes. supposed to have an intuition. You are not supposed to uh, be no. able to see the truth of this. No, you can't have any intuition other than them. <laughs> <laughs> they are your intuition. <laughs> But it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful process that when when you do begin to discover, my goodness, I've had this intuition, this guiding, this guidance in my life that I never knew was there, but I'm starting to hear it and I'm starting to see it. You, you know, like I'm 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 sort of seeing little signs and little pointers or this person comes to me and I can I sense it in within me ah this is the way to go Mm. this is the next step you know this is the 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 real healing here Randy because it's almost as if the universe somehow you know and I put that in inverted commas because I know you know some people don't believe in God or the universe or anything like that but maybe life force or you know I I don't know quite how to describe it but when 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 we we see that actually it's almost as if I'm not alone now that I've let go of my narcissistic family system I'm actually so supported I have I have the greatest adventure ahead, ahead of me but I'm not alone I'm being guided. That's true. We, I but, do believe but, you're not alone. Yeah, you're not. You're not. Because that's but the greatest we, fear often, isn't it? It is. It's a very, 
you know, yes, it is a fear that you are alone and that's a terrifying yeah. fear. So how do we begin to identify that the shoulds and the ought tos and the have tos and, and the musts um, are ruling our life? How do we, you know, because often that's a pattern that we just don't even realize we're doing. And when we do this, we make ourselves feel awful. Yes. So where do we begin to, to dig, to recognize that these are things that it's another step that we have to take in order to release ourselves from this pattern? That's a really good question. As you were talking, I was just thinking, well, I think it's, you know, where in my life am I feeling so resentful? You know, where in my life am I feeling trapped? Where do I feel suffocated? What, what do I want? What, you know, what do I want for my life? And what's holding me back? I think those are, those are the, the questions that if we sit with them and, and we can answer those, that's where we're being, where we need to be in doing the work is, is you know, what, what, what do I want and what holds me back from going for it? that can often be a sign of still being enmeshed in some way with the narcissistic parent, right. or at least enmeshed with the beliefs that you took on as a child about yourself from them. So, yeah, that's, that's how I would answer that. Yeah, I, I mean, and also when we have these, requirements of ourselves or these pseudo requirements of ourselves yes. we tend to have them of others and so this mm -hmm. is where um problems form in relationships because we think the the partners should do this or has to do this and we hold on to these same kind of beliefs in regard mm -hmm. to our relationships and we're very disappointed when they don't come true and we think we project it onto the other person when in fact it's our fears and um and disappointments that we are projecting onto the other person so it's another reason why we should begin to let these go because we shouldn't do this to other people we shouldn't yes. put this on other people knowing what has been happened what has been done to us being aware of that, we have to make sure we don't do this to others. It's really a, yes. a hard pattern to break. So what would be a better way to, um, to start thinking about this? Um, well, like I was saying at the, when we were talking just before we started, Randy, um, you know, I've come to sort of think of healing as the solution being to begin acting with boldness in our lives, to begin trusting ourselves. But I think what you, you know, what you mentioned earlier and highlighted earlier, rather, that inner cheerleader, you know, once we can begin to be compassionate to ourselves, 
that's something that already starts to flow out into our relationships then you know the less we're we're controlling our own lives by I should or I should not the more we're able to let others be themselves too without those expectations putting those expectations on them as well so it really does come down to I mean it's going to sound really cheesy but you know to really loving yourself and choosing choosing yourself over over others right and I think it it's um it's a limiting belief actually the you know these kind of um expectations of ourselves are limiting beliefs and the way that I often suggest people determine these is mm-hmm. to listen to what they're saying to themselves because as soon as you start to feel uncomfortable you're depressed or sad what are you saying to yourself mm-hmm. you know write that down mm-hmm. start being start being aware of the things that you say to yourselves and then i think the next step is to rephrase learn to rephrase these things so instead of i'm supposed to or should I'd like to, or um, <clears throat> why didn't I? It would have been better if I had blah, blah, blah. So there's different ways that we can phrase this where we're saying the same thing, but we're not hurting ourselves while we're saying it. It's just a 100%. different kind of awareness. Yes, Randy, I think, um, you know, this is sort of the focus of the work that I do with clients, actually, you know, being a therapist and a hypnotherapist, I'm aware of the, you know, the the subconscious, the role of the subconscious in this, you know, between the ages of, well, you know, the womb and seven years old, children are in a state of hypnosis. They are in constantly in the alpha state. They are suggestible. And, you know, that's what, what we do in hypnosis when you know when the work I do we I put a, a client into a very light hypnotic state and they become suggestible the subconscious then is open to wonderful suggestions in childhood we know if you're growing up with a narcissistic parent you're going to be exposed to the most awful suggestions which you will be internalizing into the subconscious and it's those negative messages that fuel the dependency um, on the narcissist it's that inner belief about yourself that you're not good enough you're not lovable I'm not wanted I'm you know all of these I am statements these negative ones are what fuel the dependency on the narcissistic parent because if I'm not good enough then I can't just rely on myself to make good decisions I need to check with other people if if I'm not wanted well there must be something wrong with me then you know I need I need somebody else to tell me how to make myself wantable um so so this is this is this really is the core of the work it's 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 claiming back the truth about yourself 
and not letting anybody else ever again rob you of it. And that is also part of that, you know, the the movement towards then trusting myself, my intuition, and embarking out of the harbour onto the adventurous seas of, of my life, separate, separate, free, no longer vampired, no longer toxically bonded in a relationship that sucks sucks me of my life, <laughs> robs me of my life. Yes. Absolutely. I've broken free. It's almost like a, a severing again of the umbilical cord. <laughs> it is. For the second time. <laughs> you know, um, Chrissy, it's, it's, it's so wonderful to um, hear the perspective that you share coming from someone who is a psychotherapist, because mm-hmm. most of us um, who have worked with uh, anyone who is licensed in the psychology mm-hmm. field have gotten re- very different perspectives. So it's yes. so refreshing to hear oh, you, you having this awareness about this kind of abuse. Um, and it, it's something that we really need to hear more from, from licensed yes. professionals. And unfortunately, it's not, it, it's not in your training. It wasn't in your training, right? How did you come about upon this knowledge? Well, I mean, as with most therapists, you know, whatever field they're in, they tend to have had some personal experience of it. So that is you know my own personal healing journey has fostered my research and my passion uh for this work much like yourself Randy um but like you say you know in my training um as a psychotherapist there was a very small segment you know about what narcissism is um the impact that it can have on somebody's life but you know it was it was only a small little you know two-hour session it's a travesty because this is the illness of our times it is this you know it it really is on a global scale you know but but it's quite interesting that because it almost parallels the the situation in families where this sort of illness is secret nobody sees it it's behind the the scenes you know and it Mm um but there is you know there i mean there's such a growing knowledge and you know need and desire for more more education on this um but i do believe that really unless the person has been through it themselves i don't know whether you can quite get it in all its manifestations as somebody who has has and I'm not I'm not kind of blowing my own trumpet here but you know it it just is it, it just is how it is with this you it's know, very bizarre us. it's very counter mm. it's counterintuitive nothing makes sense it's it's nonsense it, it's yeah. unpredictable it's never the same and so in order to be able to grasp the truth of that what that really is I think you have to have experienced it I don't think you can learn this in school so, um, so I call you Christy, Christiana, um, Christiana Davidson, where are you, um, 
how can we get in touch with you for someone who wants to work with you? What is the best way to do that? Great. Um, so, so Randy, I work in a, in a sort of a, a bit of a different style, just to give an idea. Um, I work online uh, using psychotherapy and hypnotherapy. All of my clients go through a six-week program to start, and then they have the option of regular support with me thereafter. But the six weeks combine psychotherapy and hypnotherapy, and the real focus is on getting to these negative beliefs and transforming them on the subconscious level. That's where we start. And we get rid of that and we get things moving so that we can then start to lift the veil even further. Um, If anyone wants to contact me, um, they can do so at my um, email address, which is christiana at delightinyou.com. So that's D-E-L-I-G-H-T-I-N-U dot com or lower oh, lowercase oh, christiana okay. you all hear that because she's wonderful <laughs> um, <laughs> and she will be a, an amazing help for you it's a it's it's just awesome to me that you know that the world mm-hmm. has gotten so small that you and I you're in the UK and I'm in America and we're talking just mm-hmm. like we're next door or sitting next to each other. So it's fantastic. But um, yes. Zoom has made it all very possible. <laughs> so I want to thank you tremendously for being my guest today and um, giving us <clears throat> your very in-depth perspective on this topic. It is so important. And I don't think it's talked about even nearly enough. It's so, not ready, yeah. Yeah. So thank you. I, you know, and, and we will be together again. We will do another topic because we're really good. I look forward to it. I look forward to it very, very much. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Hope to talk to you soon. Thank you, Randy. Okay. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.